uh, if I could. Uh, it is not an inconvenience. Um, your pastor, and I've mentioned already, your pastor is a help to me and our church. And so uh, if we can make sure that he stays encouraged and he can keep doing what he does, uh, it'll keep us running just fine. So I uh, will look forward to him being back, and I hope you are as well. Uh, it's just there's, this, there's something about, you, know, you, you get a guest speaker, but it's just something about having your pastor back with you. Uh, he knows you. He knows your heartbeat. He sat with you in the hospital. He's he's that guy. He's the guy, right? And so you definitely uh, be praying for him and his wife as they come back. Uh, I just want to mention, John, John started mentioning, we, we do have, uh, so our church put out a series of, I believe it's six videos uh, that really it's about the gospel. It is a it's an evangelism tool. Is the idea of it? Um, your pastor's son helped us develop it, and he did. He really did all of it, all the all the work. We just, uh, you know, we were just there for him to do it, you know. And um, it's, it, the idea, the concept is instead of a 20-minute video, it's just a series of short videos. Uh, because how often do we get to YouTube, or you get to, you know, I'll just watch TV for, you know, five minutes, and like an hour later, you know, or you, you know, an hour later on YouTube, you're on like watching some dumb animal about, you know, dumb video about cats or something, you know, right? And that was the idea with the the uh, gospel series. Um, you can find it on our website. Usually, right now, our website's having some issues; it has to be fixed. Uh, our website is faithsilversprings.org, uh, and that can take you to our YouTube channel. Otherwise, go to YouTube, uh, look for Faith Silver Spring, uh, Faith Baptist of Silver Springs, Nevada, and uh, you want to find the the channel. It's got the green; it's like a like a light green logo. It looks like a church building, and that that'll take you to that uh, video series, and definitely worth worth using. Uh, there. Well, let's take our Bibles, go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, you know what? I apologize. Um, I told you first, Timothy, didn't I, Chris? I thought I got it wrong. No, I, 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 no, I gave you the, I, I realized I gave you the wrong one as I'm, as I'm, as I'm reading my notes. 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. To put in the context here, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, his son in the faith, a, a young pastor, a young preacher, a young leader of the church, uh, somebody that he had invested in. And as he closes this letter, and this is, this is probably the last letter that Paul wrote, and it certainly is the last one that we have uh, here in the Bible. So um, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears." And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also 
that love his appearing. Father, help me as I preach one last time to this group of people. Uh, let me be an encouragement. Let me be a strength. Uh, Lord, I ask that we're, we're going to do some very practical things tonight. I ask that uh, maybe something uh, that, I, that I give them can be something that they can use uh, in their lives uh, very, very practically, very day-to-day. Uh, Lord, just let me be used in that way. I ask above all things that you'd be honored, you'd be glorified, that your name would be uh, truly pr- praised and, and truly focused on and, and that you, uh, Lord, would do the work that, that you desire to do in this congregation of people tonight. We ask these things in your name. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. Paul, as I've said, is writing to Timothy, his son the faith, his young preacher boy, his, his, his uh, mentee, if you would. He is the mentor. And he is encouraging Timothy. Timothy, I'm about to go off the scene. He says, I know that the time of my, apart, the, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. I've done what I was supposed to do. So let me challenge you what you're supposed to do. Preach the word. Be instant. That means be ready. In season, out of season. When you feel like it, when you don't. Rebuke, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Uh, for there will come a time when they'll not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching, itching ears. They'll turn away their ears from the truth. They'll be turned into fables. I want you, Timothy, therefore, to watch in all things. I want you to endure afflictions. I want you to do the work of an evangelist. I want you to make foolproof of thy ministry. He tells Timothy, get ready. I'm going. I am passing on the torch to you. We've been looking at the gospel and how it works in our everyday life. We saw the simplicity of the gospel last Sunday morning. We saw the depth of the gospel, trying to break down all the wonderful things that took place when Jesus died for our sins. We saw this morning uh, the lifestyle of the gospel. But tonight, I want to give us a message entitled, The Heritage of the Gospel. The Heritage of the Gospel. Something that is passed on from one generation to the next. We all have heritage. You know, We're Americans. We are proud of our American heritage. We have family heritage. Perhaps you have an heirloom. Perhaps there's a family name that that carries on and carries on. For instance, my family, uh, my son, my younger son, our our baby, his name is Judah King Montgomery. My name is Andrew King Montgomery. That king was a family name uh, before the the family line there uh, with the history we have. My great-great-great-great-grandmother was uh, king, and and king was uh, 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 her husband, and then... uh, you know, then we became Montgomery. So before we were Montgomery's, we were kings right there. <laughs> That's what I tell people. Oh, we have a heritage we're proud of. We want to continue to carry it on. So also, Paul has given to Timothy an heritage. Something to continue on. And this heritage is the gospel. The message of Jesus Christ. The good news. The mission of the church. This teaching and preaching of the word. This declaration of what Jesus has done for the whole world. Paul has passed it on to Timothy and wants Timothy to do the same. It's a heritage. It's it's, it's something to carry on. As we just get right into the message here, I want you to see, number one, pass on the heritage that you have been given. Pass on the heritage that you have been given. This has been the pattern of the church since day one. 
That's how Jesus designed the church. Jesus designed the church to multiply. He designed it to where he taught his disciples, who taught disciples, who taught disciples, who taught disciples, until we stand here in Fernley, Nevada, and your pastor is empowering you to do the same. We as churches, are, as Christians, our mission is to pass on the heritage, pass on the lessons, pass on the stories that we have been told. Notice, if you would, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 2, Paul writing to Timothy says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who, be, who shall be able to teach others also. Paul had given Timothy a torch to pass on to the next generation of Christians. The gospel is not a story to be held. The gospel is a story to be shared. The gospel is a story to tell others about. We sing a song with kids, uh, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Or you say, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Why would we hide it under a bushel? Why would we hide what God has done in our hearts and our lives? And yet so often we do that, don't we? We're afraid. We're, uh, in some cases, even uh, we, we, we are ashamed of the gospel. And so we hold back telling the story of what Jesus has done for us. But God says in His Word that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're to go and teach the gospel to the nations. That means to make disciples of all the nations. In the Great Commission, that was what Jesus told us to do. We're to pass it on. He said, but I'm not very good at that. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I've never been to a Bible college. I've never uh, had all sorts of training on how to be an evangelist. Uh, why don't you start with just telling what happened to you? I was talking to John here before uh, we, we got to preaching time, the handshaking time, and he was telling me about the public school, uh, some of the public school teenagers that, that come to this church. He said, man, those kids, they're, they're out there. They're, they're going to their school and inviting their friends and telling others about what God's done for them. I mean, they're kids. <laughs> and some of them have only known Jesus for a short while. And then we have adults here. You've known Jesus for some time. And it's time to step out of your shell a little bit. It's time to step out of your, your comfort zone and, and try to share the gospel with someone else to pass it on. And there's so many different ways you can do it. You can, you can, you can, you can share a video on YouTube. <laughs> you can pass out a track. Uh, you, you can just start by inviting someone to church. Say, hey, would you be my guest with me to church? We'll go out you know, afterwards and get Chinese food or something. I mean, you, 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 there's so many ways you can share the gospel. There's so many tools available. If you're if you are into technology, there are there are apps that you can get that have you know have a little step-by-step -step guides uh, with illustrations to show the gospel to somebody with just your phone. You can even just sit down and say, "Hey, can you can you look at this with me?" and you just share that together with your phone. There are so many tools and resources we have today in our disposal. We we ought to be sharing the gospel. We ought to be telling other people about it. It's not just for the pastors. It's for you, the layman. As we think of the book of Acts, uh, we find in the early church, first gathered in Jerusalem after Pentecost, they're meeting together, but then what happens? Persecution comes in. 
Saul of Tarsus begins to uh, uh, hail men and women, bringing them to prison. And, and many Christians realize we got to get out of Dodge. It's time to leave Jerusalem. And they spread, and the Bible tells us, they that spread about went everywhere preaching Christ. And that same passage of Scripture, that same chapter makes a distinction. It says that the, the, the apostles were not persecuted. They were not scattered. So the ones that were sharing the gospel were the lay people. It wasn't the church leaders that were starting churches in Antioch. It wasn't the church leaders that were, that were, were getting the gospel around the world at that you know, early stage. It was, it was the congregation. It was the people in the pews. It was the ones that had been taught the gospel that were now taking the gospel out and teaching it to others. We have this heritage, and that is the gospel. With our earthly heritage, we learn to appreciate it more when we do some research, don't we? Anybody ever done uh, like a um, family tree research? Anybody ever do that? Uh, maybe for school. My brother had to do it for school, so we learned about our, our family heritage from my grandmother, uh, though I do believe she embellished some facts because that was just what she was, <laughs> that was her nature to do so. There's some joy in researching our heritage and learning about where we came from. We Christians, we also can research our heritage, the heritage of the gospel. How do we do that? We do that when we study the Word of God. And you say, well, Pastor, you mentioned that this morning. Read the Bible. I know. I'm going to mention it again. It's really important. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. I said this morning, I asked the question, how well do you individually know the Bible? Not how well does your pastor know the Bible, but how well do you know the Bible? The reason I ask that is because there's a certain amount of accountability the church can hold a pastor to. In the book of Acts, the Bible speaks of a, a, a group of believers in a city called Berea, or a town called Berea. When the Apostle Paul came to Berea and preached the gospel, the Bible says that these who lived in Berea, they're called noble. Why? Because they searched the scriptures whether these things that Paul had said were so. They heard Paul declare Christ and they dug in for themselves and studied the scriptures and studied the word to know if what Paul had said was true. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes to Timothy and says in verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And again, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll go over there, verses 16 and 17. He says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And we read already, verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. He says, preach the word, preach the scriptures, tell the scriptures. Why is that so important? You say, well, hold on, we're talking about the gospel. Why are we talking about studying the Bible? Because the gospel is detailed throughout the Bible. The gospel is not just the Romans wrote. You ever think about that for a moment? It's not just John 3.16. The gospel is from Genesis 1-1 all the way through the book of Revelation. 
It is this ongoing, unfolding story of God's redemption of mankind. Oftentimes we view the Bible like it is a collection of books just jammed together and there's no connection. But the reality is, is these 66 books that make up our Bible, they tell a single cohesive story. They tell how God created the world, fashioned it, shaped it by just the power of his word. In fact, you know, we, we, we live in the universe which break down that word, uni means one, like unicycle, unibrow. Uni is one. Verse, it's spoken word. So the word universe, the, the literal word universe means one spoken word. We live in the created uh, uh, um, universe, the word that God spoke, let there be and there was. And as God made everything, he said that it was all good. And then he, then he, then he made man. He fashioned from the dusty earth this special creature made after his image in his likeness to worship him, to walk with him, to fellowship with him and with each other. And he gave this creature, man, one rule. Adam literally had one job. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. And we know the story. He did. That set forward God's plan of redemption that plays out throughout the Bible. He goes from this big macro view of mankind through Genesis chapter 1 through 10 with Noah and the flood and Noah's sons scattering and multiplying the earth. And that chart you guys have out there in the other room there, that details that. That is nerdy cool, all right? That is awesome. But uh, it tells of how all the earth began to be multiplied. But then God takes this macro view and, and, and zooms in on one family. This one family through which he will bring the Redeemer who will finally reset everything. Will finally undo what sin had done. Will finally reverse the damage of death and hell. And that would be Jesus. We have the story of the, throughout the Old Testament, God's chosen people, Israel, how they lived and failed to keep his word and illustrate how much we as human beings need a savior. God's people also give to us an understanding of who God is in their interactions with him. As we study the Old Testament, we learn about God's justice. We learn about his mercy. We learn about truth, and we learn about holiness, and we learn about righteousness. We learn that His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We learn that the thoughts He thinks for us are thoughts of peace. We learn that we are precious to Him. We're special. I went back this um, afternoon and, and watched the, the sermon as much, much as I could uh, back at our church and, and Brother Rick Brown, my, one of my deacons uh, who's preaching for me, he, he started off the conversation and he said, well, I'll let you know there's nobody here in this room that's special except for everybody. <laughs> everybody here was special to God because he made you. He loves you. We learn these things about God through his interaction with his people in the Old Testament. And we also learn these through the words of the prophets about this one who would be coming to redeem them.
about this one who would be coming to buy them back. And then he came. The Old Testament closed out with one last prophet. His name was John. He lived in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey, and preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. He told of one that would come after him whose shoe latches he was not worthy to unloose. And one day by the river, he pointed out this man walking along the river bank and said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, drawing back the minds of his hearers to the Old Testament story of the Passover Lamb and the, 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 the uh, Day of Atonement uh, in, in the book of Leviticus where the, a, a, a sacrifice was given for the sins of the people. And Jesus did all that the Old Testament said he would do. He lived. He died. He was buried. And he rose again. The New Testament begins. The, the church moves forward in the book of Acts and, and begins to spread the word. And, and as churches are growing in, in, in new places, the gospel is going out to the Gentiles who who don't have the same background as the, the Hebrew uh, Christians did, now they're running into problems and they're having questions. So the epistles are written. And these epistles that were written by, by, by Paul and, and Peter and James and John, they take the teachings of Jesus and they apply them for the, for, for the whole world. See, the whole Bible, from the very start to the very end, come to the book of Revelation, it speaks how Jesus will one day come and put the final axe uh, blow to the, 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 the root of sin and will one day remake things new. The perfect redemption. The whole Bible's about Him. And so if we're to pass on the heritage of the gospel, we must know the Bible. And again, perhaps you say, well, I, I just, I've not been taught how to study the Bible. I didn't go to a fancy Bible college or, or, or I didn't, you know, I'm not, I didn't grow up in a preacher's home. I'm, I'm new to all this. I don't know how to study the Bible. I want to give you here something very practical. I'm going to give you a tool every person here can use to study their Bible. You ready? You need only one thing to be able to study your Bible. Every single day, you need soap. Pastor, you're crazy. No, it's an acronym, okay? Calm down, all right? SOAP, it stands for Scripture, or Saturate, O, Observe, A, Apply, and P, Prayer. This is a method for studying the Bible. If you want to learn how to study God's Word, just remember SOAP. It gives you three steps. You start with saturating. You start with uh, read, just reading God's Word. If, if you have a garden, you've put seeds in the ground, and what do you do? You saturate the soil with water. You don't have any specific goal in mind other than let's get the dirt wet. And make sure the dirt's really wet because those seeds need something to allow them to germinate. When we read the Bible, you know, when we want to study the Bible, it starts with let's just begin reading it. Start with a chapter, or, or maybe even just start with a verse. You say, I'm going I'm to I'm study this verse. Begin with reading it, and then reread it, and then reread it. Just, just let it begin to saturate your mind. Just let it begin to sink in. Just pay attention to the words. And, and, and if you run to a word you don't understand, just maybe, maybe write it down, because you're going to come back and, and, and look it up later. But, but just read it. Read it, read it, read it. That's saturate. Get the Scripture in, and then let her, oh, 
If we're talking about a method of how you can study the Bible for yourself. You start with saturating your mind with Scripture and then observe. Make observations. As, you, as you've read the Bible, if you've read the passage, you, a verse or a chapter or even a whole book, you, you've, you've perhaps began to, began to think of uh, questions that you can ask. Who is talking? Who is being spoken to? What is happening? Where are they? Who is in the story? Why is it important? Maybe there are words or phrases you understand. You begin to write those down and, and you're observing. You're going back and, and, and looking up uh, definitions and you're trying to answer some questions. Maybe there's uh, perhaps uh, the question is what other passages of Scripture apply to this same topic here? You begin to fill that out there and you're making observations. You're asking questions as you go along and filling in the answers to that question. So soap starts with saturate. Read it. Just read it. And then observe. Begin to ask some questions. And don't be afraid of that. Questions are helpful. They're not the enemy of faith. They build faith. Remember the disciples in the boat? They wake Jesus up in the midst of the storm and said, Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus stands up. Peace. Be still. What, did they, what was their response? They responded with a question. What manner of man is this? See, questions force us to go back and look for answers. Perhaps as you're reading through that passage of Scripture, there's something in, in, in the way that God deals with His people. Say, I don't understand why God did this. You've made an observation. Now go back and look it up. Go back and study it. Go back and dig in the Bible to find the answer for yourself. You saturate your mind. Just read it and reread it and reread it. You know, three, three to five times, and then come to observations. Make, make ask questions. Uh, find the answers to those questions. Fill in the blanks there. Who's speaking? Who's being spoken to? Is there some some historical context to pay attention to? Look for those things. Then we come to. A, application, so SOAP, S-O-A, apply. Put the Scripture into action. The Bible is never intended to be a head book only. It's to be something that we live out, that we do day to day. You know, the, 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 the acronym, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. These are, how, these are God's word to us. This is His instructions to us, how we are to live, how we are to function, how we're to treat one another. So look for, in whatever passage of Scripture, something you can apply to your life. Even as we could use these examples here that Paul wrote to, Peter, uh, to, to Timothy, and we, we study these things out, and uh, he talks about preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. Hey, now I've got an application there, don't I? As a preacher, I am to preach, I'm to re- reprove, I'm to rebuke, I'm to exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Now, as we observe God's Word, we're looking for what's called the interpretation of a text. That's, what does it mean? Very simply. We were trying to figure out what is being said. Scripture, any one passage of Scripture, only has one interpretation, one meaning. God doesn't write the you know, God didn't put down the Bible and say, okay, this passage of Scripture can mean 20 different things. Depends on, you know, your context. Mm-mm. God wrote it. <laughs> he said what He said. He meant what he said, and he meant one thing by what he said. But any particular passage of Scripture may have multiple applications to different people. Let me give you an example. Let's take, uh, go from 2 Timothy over one book to Titus chapter number 2. 
Titus chapter 2. And let's notice chapter, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. Paul is writing to Titus, and he says that the aged women... Uh, um, I jumped to verse... Um, hmm, actually, let's back up and do verse 1. But speak thou the things that become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. And then now verse 3, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Now as we read those passages of Scripture, there's only one, one interpretation, one meaning. God is, you know, through, his, through, through the Bible, is telling the, the aged men to be uh, sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, charity, and patience. The aged women, that they are to be likewise, uh, as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, and they are to teach the young women. That's what it means. But if we, we look at it here, it's going to be applied differently by different people. So, older women, you are being, you know, you're reading here, the application is for you is to teach, right? Younger women that would read that, the application for you is to listen, right? So there's going to be different applications. So when you read a portion of Scripture, you're, you've saturated you, your mind with it, you're, you're making observations, you're asking questions, then you say, okay, how does this apply to me? What do I need to do in my life, or, or what can I uh, uh, take away from this passage of Scripture in my day-to-day life and live with and, and follow after, uh, you know, moving forward here. So we saturate, we observe, we apply, and then last of all, we close with prayer. When we study the Bible, it's good to open with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, but it's also very good, especially good, to close with prayer. Prayer should be a part of our Bible study. Remember, we looked at the Holy Spirit today, and the Bible said He would lead us into all truth. He's the one that teaches us truth. He's the one that takes the words of Scripture and just brings them to life to us. He's the one that takes it as we look at Scripture and and convicts us or encourages us to apply it to our lives. So what do we do? We close with prayer and say, Lord, help me to put what I've read into action. Help me to live out what your word has taught me here today. Help me to share with others what I've learned from your word here today. We ought to be learning and studying and growing in the Word of God. Now, that's just one method for Bible study. You can, you can outline passages. You can you know, do word studies, character studies, topic studies, all those things. But just study God's Word. If you want to know your heritage, the heritage of the gospel, you've got to study it. So Paul says to Timothy, I want you to pass on the heritage. I want you to study, know your heritage, learn about it. But then uh, I want to close here with number three, and this, this is just going to be in passing the case for defending your heritage. As we study God's Word, it answers our questions, but it also gives us the ability to answer others' questions. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a world that is very skeptical of the church and the Bible and Christianity in general. And it, 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 it is worthwhile for you, especially young you know, teenagers, it is worthwhile for you to begin to study and begin to understand, you know, how do I answer tough questions that, that are posed in our, in our day and age? And there are a lot of them. How do, how do I answer questions about creation? How do I answer questions about 
the God of the Old Testament seeming like he's this harsh judge while the God of the New Testament, Jesus, is so kind? How do I answer tough questions uh, uh, about uh, how God dealt with his people? How do I answer questions on gender identity and the confusion there is in our world today? You need to understand these things. You need to know these things. And, and, and I want to close with um, uh, two passages of Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. And I'll just read them for sake of time here. He says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. He says to Timothy, keep that which is committed. That word keep there has the idea of defending, guarding. Uh, old old, old um, medieval castles that have a section of the castle is called the keep. When you were in trouble, when there's you know, the, the, the band of angry Vikings outside the castle that wanted to burn things down, what did you do? You resorted back into the keep. There was shelter there. There was protection. So also, we are told to keep what has been given to us. We're to guard what has been given to us. Not that we need to protect the gospel from going away. When we're going to come, we're going to go. God's word is going to move on. But we have been given something sacred. We've been given something special. We ought to hold tight to that. We ought to keep that from being uh, confused or misrepresented. We, we represent the King of Kings. Let's keep His Word. Let's keep His commandments. Let's keep His truths. And then last of all, the, the other passage of Scripture I want to close with is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. The Bible says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear having a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Be ready always to give an answer to every man. It's not to say you'll always have every, you know, all knowledge all the time. It's not to say you're going to be perfect, but man, it is worth beginning to answer these tough questions. Don't hide your head in the sand. we got a heritage. Is the heritage worth sharing? It's a heritage worth studying. It's a heritage worth protecting. And that is the heritage of the gospel. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I know we're out of time tonight. Though not yet seven on the clock. The heat in the room has told me that it's time to stop talking. But I hope this is a help to you. I hope this is something practical you can take home. I just challenge you. Three, there's three things here. You can make a decision in either one of these three, or all three. I don't, you know, whatever God has led you here. Maybe you're, where you're at tonight is you need to share your faith. You need to pass that on. Maybe where you're at tonight is you need to begin to study the Word of God for yourself. And use that acronym. Use that 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 Bible study method. Use the SOAP method. Study it, you know, read it, saturate it, observe, ask questions, uh, apply, you know, put it into action, and pray. It's very simple. It's, it's a, the steps that you can follow. Maybe you're here tonight, and the thing that you need to do is to commit to defend your faith. Prepare to answer some tough questions. Prepare uh, to, to wrestle with these tough questions yourself. 
whatever the case may be, we need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit to help us do it. So I want to challenge us in that way. Little John, why don't you come and close?